Welcome to this episode of Arthur's Making a Podcast. This episode is titled Ranking on Paper Girls and Stranger Things. If I hadn't read the comic book versions of TV shows and movies that are based off of them, how much more would I like the live action versions? Though I enjoyed the Logan movie, or as I call it as I raise a clenched fist, Logan! It paled in comparison to the old man Logan story arc in the comics by writer Mark Miller and artist Steve McNiven, held by about 3,000 miles. In October of 2015, issue number one of Paper Girls was released, created by writer Brian K. Vaughn and drawn by Cliff Chang with colorist Matt Wilson. I love that book from issue one. Set in the 80s, it tells the story of four 12-year-old paper girls who, while delivering papers in the early hours of November 1st, 1988, they're nearly the only ones awake to discover some kind of invasion of their fictional town of Stony Creek, Ohio. These could have been the girls that inherited my paper route in the final years that they let kids do that. The artwork of Cliff Chang is beautiful and distinctive. The artwork on the front and inside of every issue was instantly iconic to me. You just can't separate the look of this book from the writing. It's so integral to the comic. Look up issue number one's cover. The one with the yellow background if you haven't seen it already. Go ahead. I'll wait. While I'm waiting, and for all of you listening to this while operating heavy machinery, I delivered papers seven days a week. And the Sunday morning paper delivery was massive. I would fill up a shopping cart with Sunday papers, push it up the hill, park it by a specific telephone pole on the street behind my house, fill the bag all the way up, start at the cul-de-sac at the bottom of the hill, and work my way back to the cart at the telephone pole. Then I'd load the bag up again and deliver it to the top of the hill. I sit on my grandparents' front porch and put those Sunday papers together before delivery. You know, the comic strips wrapped around all the store flyers that made us all happy and we waited for all week. As a kid, it cracked me up that they put the wedding announcements near their obituaries. Did they really do that? Or was that what I thought they should do? There were words across the street and some mornings it would be foggy and I'd picture an older version of myself stepping out of the misty woods, walking up to me, and saying something to me. What would an older version of me whisper to 12-year-old me? You know, without causing a paradox. A few memorable people on my route. There was Mrs. Goiter. Can't remember her real name, but I'm sure my brother does. I inherited the paper route from him. Mrs. Goiter kind of looked like Alfred Hitchcock in a house dress, and she had this goiter that hung down from, I believe it was the left side of her neck, that looked like a mini trucker nut. Often, she would come to the door with a Q-tip sticking straight out of her ear, which she never touched or acknowledged. She would remind me, now, keep in mind, this was in the early to mid-80s, to please leave the paper between the door and the screen door. If I left it on the porch, then the gangsters would know that she wasn't home. I'm sure Mrs. Goiter is long dead, and I'm sure that she was a sweet woman, 
but that goiter and Q-tip and gangster reference just made my head spin. Rest in peace, Mrs. Goiter. There was another house on my paper route, and the wife had these enormously long painted nails that curled in on themselves. Can you picture it? Yeah, I'm sure you can. I can still picture it. Now, every week I would put out my hand, and she would somehow manage to place the paper money in it. Change and all. I guess if she could do that, I wouldn't bother wondering how she opened the door or wiped her ass. Also a nice lady, from what I remember. There was a dog at the top of the route that bit my leg. I don't think I even delivered papers to that family. I needed stitches and nightly dousing of some orange-brown medical topical disinfectant, and yes, they paid for it, if it wasn't covered by my dad's Teamster benefits, which it probably was. Go unions! And no, we did not ask for the dog to be euthanized, just for them to please keep it on a leash. So going into the comic book, Paper Girls had a lot going for it in my book. I had a paper out in the 80s when I was 12, I used to think that about all sorts of invasions, whether it was from the Russians or aliens or little creatures in the floor vents that would drag you down to their dark realm. Thank goodness I never had central air. Though I did have a door in the wood-paneled living room that went up to the attic that I was always waiting to creak open by itself when I was alone. I used to love walkie-talkies, though I could barely afford even the cheapest kinds. It's set during Halloween, which not only is my favorite holiday but autumn is my favorite season. Watching all the changing leaves up here in New England swirl around, kicking through them as I walked, that crisp air that refreshed my lungs and energized me, the smell of fireplaces beginning to burn, most bugs going back to hell where they belong, and the most important thing of all, paper girls had time travel. I'm a sucker for a time travel story. My cousin Matt and I would always devise theories of time travel and possible paradoxes, and I love sharing those with him. As I started reading every issue, I'd be transported into this world of theirs, and I wanted to keep reading, but I knew with every page I was getting closer to another month's wait for the next one. And it hurt me to think that most, if not all, of the people I know wouldn't read it. They'd just wait for the inevitable TV show. Fast forward to July 15th, 2016. I'm already about nine issues into Paper Girls and Stranger Things premieres on Netflix. Good show? Yes. But Paper Girls was doing it better and delving into their characters more maturely. The main thorn in my side was that most wouldn't know the joy of Paper Girls until a show of it came out. By then, many would just consider Paper Girls to be derivative of Stranger Things, which was clearly not the case. I love seeing cosplay of Stranger Things at conventions, but Paper Girls were few, if ever, cosplayed. Granted, Stranger Things cosplays are much easier to spot, but if Stranger Things hadn't come out, there'd probably be a whole lot more Paper Girls cosplays. I'm looking forward to seeing all you Paper Girls cosplayers at New York Comic Con. Please don't let me down, especially the gender-bending cosplayers. Stranger Things has a lot going for it, too. From the D&D, and yes, also walkie-talkies, to the acting and the writing. As Walt Simonson, I believe, said at a convention panel once, Marvel has a talent for picking the right actors to play each character, and that's a big part of making it all work on the big screen. And that's coming from Walt Simonson, the brilliant writer-artist who defined Thor for our generation. Also created Beta Ray Bill and Frog Thor, which I someday hope 
to own a little doodle of them by Walt. Maybe someday soon. Walt also got to sit next to Odin, a.k.a. Sir Anthony Hopkins, at a banquet in Valhalla in one of the Thor movies. Sorry for anyone that didn't know what that last sentence meant, but kudos to you if you still knew it was in English. Fast forward again to August 31st, 2022, two episodes into Paper Girls. Now here we are two days later on, what is it, September 1st, 2022, and I've watched the entire first season. I really liked it. They even nailed the look of the girls. And I love seeing the title graphics from the comic at the beginning of every episode. Brian K. Vaughn and Cliff Chang get producers' titles on this, as well they should. And even saw Brad Pitt's name pop up on the list of producers, if that does anything for you. But I can't help mentioning, cautioning, that the thing about memory, at least my memory, is sometimes I don't always remember specific plot points or dialogue or when and where they came into a comic book I've read years ago. It's a lot like the rest of my life. And we all tend to fill in the blanks in our memory or just leap over them and continue. But I do remember the feeling of the comic and what it meant to me while reading it. And I felt that at times while watching the show, and yes, when it happened in the show, I would remember it and be grateful that they kept it and that you're able to experience it. I thought for such young characters, they did a great job in casting, which, as we've said, goes a long way, especially when the material you're dealing with already needs some fairly large suspension of disbelief. It was so cool to see the fuck-up mom from True Blood, played by actress Adina Porter, in this in an unexpected role to me. You might also remember her from various seasons of American Horror Story. She played a television reporter in one of them. There were other notable actors, like the comedian they cast, to play a pretty chill antagonist. But let's get down to ranking on these. How I'd rank them. Paper Girls, the comic, number one. Stranger Things, the TV show, number two. And that's only because Stranger Things has been on for multiple seasons. And they absolutely killed it on the last season. (laughs) So the verdict's still out, and the ranking could change down the road. And for everyone that should read the Paper Girls comic, but probably won't, like I told you to, just watch the fracking show. It's pretty darn mint. If it wasn't covered by my dad's Teamsters benefits, which was... It's pretty darn mint.